0: Welcome to Teaching Borderlands. This podcast series seeks to expand our understanding of U.S. borderlands in order to teach about them better, especially in university and theological education. Uh, my name is Efrain Agosto. I'm your host for these, uh, for these series. I teach New, New Testament studies at New York Theological Seminary, and I'm a member of the Wabash Center Borderlands Theological Education grant team and I welcome today, Dr. Teresa Delgado, who's also a member of the team. And we're gonna uh, have this conversation about this topic. Uh, Dr. Delgado is a professor of religious studies at Iona College, a wonderful liberal arts uh, school in New in Rochelle, New York, New York uh, right above uh, New York City. Uh, she's the chair of the religious studies department and director of the peace and justice studies program there uh, she's published a wonderful book uh, that I've had the privilege of reading and and hearing uh, Dr. Delgado talk about numerous times, uh, Puerto Rican Decolonial Theology uh, a Prophesy Freedom, a book published by Pogham, uh, Macmillan Press recently in, uh, t- in 2017. So we welcome uh, Dr. Delgado. We are uh, long-time friends and colleagues so most likely, I will call her T- Teresa uh, during the interview. Uh, um, but uh, she is a-, a wonderful colleague, and I welcome you, Teresa, to this conversation uh, about uh, uh, borderlands theological uh, education. Could
1: Thank you, you Efraín. It's Thank great
0: you. to it's great
1: to be here with you. And I and I would have. Um, I would have felt a little uncomfortable if you hadn't called me Teresa. (laughs) So I'm glad that we could go into that, our first name
0: right away. I think it makes all all the sense in the world. Uh, So tell us a little bit, uh, Teresa, about your experience as a religious studies professor at a liberal arts college, but also a theological educator, uh, both at Iona and beyond in your field. Uh, What nurtured you? What sustained you? Uh, Tell us a little bit about your journey as an educator.
1: Well, thank thank you for this question. It's um you know, as I, as I think about my experience as a as an educator, and and I do see myself as a theological educator Absolutely. in even in a in an undergraduate institution. Uh, I I have the real privilege of of reaching a lot of students because as we are a a college in the Catholic uh, intellectual tradition, religious studies is a requirement, at least one religious studies class is a requirement for all students to take. So I see a lot of students over the course of uh, of their educational career. And I do believe that it is an opportunity for, for me as an educator to communicate the value of of religious studies as a as a as a space for transformative conversations mm. that and less about and remember a lot of a lot of our undergraduate students come to us from uh, not just from public schools but many of them from you know from private school many from Catholic schools from Catholic education where their understanding of what it means to be in a conversation about theology and religion is more about catechism and about adhering to doctrine. So it is an opportunity to expand that to a space to ask critical questions, a space to challenge the status quo, a space to kind of push against norms, to explore new ways of thinking, um, and and not just to think in a different way for the sake of thinking in a different way,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but thinking differently so that one can do can, can can be different out in the world. That is to mm-hmm. it as a way of uh, of inspiring uh, young people to think about the values that they hold and then how those values inform the things that they actually do, the Mm -hmm. choices that they make, Mm -hmm. the commitments that they, that they have in the world. And that to me is that that there's such an incredible responsibility in that kind of power because it's a, it's, there's power in that. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's this connection between and it is it 's what nurtures and sustains me it's it 's the connection between what we know and then how we act upon what we know um, so I constantly tell my students you know once your eyes are opened you can 't unsee what you have seen <laughs> and and therefore you have a responsibility to act upon what you have seen, and they 're a video generation right they see everything is um, is a is a video it's a it's on youtube it's something that that catches their eye and so what i'm trying to do is help them to see things with their physically with their physical eye but with their also with their mind's eye so that that seeing and knowing adds leads to a different way of being and doing out in the world
0: well one of the things that we're seeing in this day and age uh, uh so fraught with uh, uh so much uh uh, conflict and, 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 uh, and calls to action, uh, um, which I'm sure your students uh, under your tutelage will, in fact, engage is the, is the issue of the borderlands, right? And that's one mm-hmm. of the, uh, uh, that's the topic that has um, brought our group together under the auspices of the Wabash Center uh, for Teaching Theology and Religion. Um, to explore uh, what it means to think about border and borderlands uh, in religious and theological education. Um, but you, have a, a, you and I both have a very interesting uh, relationship to, uh, to border and to borderlands mm-hmm. uh, teaching and experience. So if you could talk a little bit about what does border mean to you and to your work uh, in religious uh, and theological education
1: thinking about the term of the border, I mean, of course, given our, our current political climate, our mind often goes to to the physical border of Mm -hmm. the United States, the southern border, and our, as it should, our attention must go there, you know, as theological educators, and more broadly, and, you know, maybe we'll have a chance to speak about that a little bit. But, but for me, if I, if, just asking me the question of what does border mean to me, I can't think about that question without, without talking about the context of border. That is, I feel as if I live in a borderland experience as a Puerto Ricania mm-hmm. in the diaspora because border to me is this—it's this liminal space this in-between space of you know, neither you know, here nor there. So the, the borderland context of the Puerto Rican diaspora is one that informs my understanding of every border experience that I'm uh, interacting with. And for, for me, um, there is a, a quote by Gloria Anzaldua, in her book, uh, Borderlands, La Frontera, The New Mestiza, where she captures it. She's talking about the US-Mexico border. But to me, it's, it is illustrates perfectly the the, the kind of dis-ease and, and uh, challenge that the border represents. And I'm going to quote from her. She says, the US-Mexico border Es una herida abierta, where the third world grates against the first and bleeds, and before a scab forms, it hemorrhages again, the lifeblood of two worlds merging to form a third country, a border culture. Borders are set up to define the places that are safe and unsafe, to distinguish us from them. A border is a dividing line, a narrow strip along a steep edge. A borderland is a vague and undetermined place created by the emotional residue of an unnatural boundary. It is in a constant state of transition. The prohibited and forbidden are its inhabitants. Mm. And uh, unquote, and in so many ways, Efrain, you know, being a part of the Puerto Rican diaspora feels like being a, a prohibited and forbidden inhabitant Mm. Um, in in the United States, whether one is on the island or one is in the continental United States. Um, so for, for me that that is the, the the meaning of border that that is um, that I that, that context that I live in and what really um, you know attracted me and and wanted to want I wanted to be a part of this project because of that experience and wanting to make the connection between that experience of Puerto Rican borderland existence to the, the US-Mexico border borderland experience and other borderland experiences more broadly, the, you know, this border of uh, liminal spaces of ideas and ideologies where, where experiences clash and conflict and meet and cross and bleed.
0: You know um i resonate with that definition and of course you and i both are new york-born puerto ricans and yes uh a part of this project will be uh going and visiting the southwest border uh and uh i don't know about you but i've never been there (laughs) you know i've been neither have uh, i california but in san diego but not you know i haven't crossed the border and and seen uh uh, how how people are engaging with it uh, physically But Mm -hmm. I I resonate with your definition of this liminal space uh, that you and I both have uh, uh, grown up in as as Puerto Rican New Yorkers, uh, even with our own uh, homeland, right? Our parents' Mm -hmm. homeland. Exactly. So so I'm curious how your students um, uh, relate to that broader uh, understanding of border than perhaps uh, uh, they themselves come Mm -hmm. to to school with, right? Yes. When you read... Uh, 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 quotes like these uh, uh, or, or share with them uh, 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 what it means to be uh, uh, in the liminal space of a Puerto Rican uh, born and raised in New York City. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do they, how do they uh, resonate? How do they react with this well, broader I, I, perspective? Yeah, yeah I,
1: can, I can share with you that I actually had an opportunity last year, um, and I would have had it the same this year were it not for the pandemic to actually take students to Puerto Rico mm-hmm. um, for a an experience of, of a course on environmental ethics and religion. And so we I took this group of students in 20 in March of 2019. And so we were already, you know, 18 months from, you know, Hurricane Irma and Maria. Right. And yet they witnessed the devastation of the island that was still so apparent to them the the, the, the physical devastation of buildings and you know homes um, the devastation of the infrastructure the devastation of the of the landscape on the mm-hmm. coast mm-hmm. and even up in El yunque and all the, the, the the trees and foliage that had, um, that had just been torn out as a result. And what it, it, it offered was a, it offered us a uh, opportunity to t- make connections between what was happening in March of 2019 in Puerto Rico and what was happening in the um, detention centers on the U.S.-Mexico border, hmm. and the um, the separation of of children from families, and what what they found was what we what we talked about a lot was that these are these are different manifestations mm-hmm. of the same kind of colonial processes that that are coupled with kind of this undergirding of white supremacy that are allowing both of those things to, to happen and to continue. And they saw that so clearly there. And it wasn't lost on them that in both spaces we're talking about brown people who are impacted in this way. Um, so being in Puerto Rico, uh, at the same time, when when so much was happening at the southern border, uh, was, you know, it it really hit us hard because of the recognition that they were they were both part of the same sinister infrastructure.
0: That's fascinating, and I uh, w- would love to be on a trip like that uh, uh, and see how students uh, and us as as Puerto Ricans. Uh, would react to, uh, to that experience on the island. Um, this project uh, intends to have conversation with theological educators at various uh, uh, schools of the Association of Theological Schools about these issues. Mm-hmm. So it takes the five of us in the group, um, uh, four of us, you know, teaching seminaries, uh, and yourself, who t- teach in the liberal arts, uh, Religious Studies Department, but I've had experience teaching seminarians, of course. Uh, It takes us on the road to visit when, well, when this pandemic (laughs) clears. This year will be like a lot of us uh, on Zoom, Uh, but nonetheless, it takes us to in dialogue, uh, better said, with uh, fellow seminary faculty and administrators and students to talk about uh, the border and borderlands education. So make the connection, if you would, between you, your experiences with undergraduates and how, uh, what attracted you to this project and um, how you feel that uh, semin- seminaries and religious studies departments as well, of course, need to be impacted by these reflections on the border. Mm.
1: So what attracted me to the project, other than the opportunity to work with such a great team, um, was really wa- wanting to wanting to broaden my understanding mm. of the border you know like you I've never been to the the southern border and you know there is and I, and I think my experience being in Puerto Rico with students really Im- confirmed this for me that there that there is nothing like putting one's own body in the space Mm -hmm. that that there is a level of of embodied learning that happens when you when you are stepping onto that ground and i guess in many ways you know we know it we're a we're a people you know as 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 latinx is we're a people that understand the the importance the sacredness of the land So to put ourselves on that land Mm -hmm. is also a way of situating ourselves of orienting ourselves to the experience of the people and all that has occurred on that land. Mm -hmm. There is, there's, there is history that's embedded in that in, in the, the, the earth under our feet and Putting ourselves there takes that seriously that again, that was really impressed upon me when I was you know walking up a yunke grain forest and thinking about the histories that I was now a part of because I was walking that same land hmm. so for me the as a theological educator, I think about the importance of being on the on the land being, a, being connected to the earth in that way, that earth that has been so contested because of colonial border making. And then thinking about theology as a discipline, like mm. theology as a conversation that is essentially a border conversation. If we attend to it in the way that I think we need to, which is that the, as a Christian theological educator, I, the cross is a border it is an intersection of the divine and the human. It's an intersection of, of, of the imminent and transcendent. It's, a, it's an axis and crossing of, of power and resistance and, and the wounds that are inflicted as a result. I mean, if we, don't, if we can't see the cross that way, hmm. then how do we see the cross? Um, and there are crosses in all of these border experiences. If, if we're taking our role as theological edu- educators seriously, then I think we have to attend to where those crosses are, are being both born, like by people he- in the here and now, and also to, in the spaces that, that, are, that are crosses, that are, that are borders, because they are the essence of what theological education is.
0: In your experience with theological students, seminarians, and others mm-hmm. uh, who study theology at various levels, uh, do you think they capture that kind of perspective uh, uh, on the cross as exemplum of, of border? Uh, and how can we, through this project and other ways, really have an impact on theological mm-hmm. schools and theological faculty and theological students, so that they might see those connections—that yeah. one, the cross, and others—more, um, more directly.
1: Um, I certainly. Well, I, 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 I don't know if it's happening now. I certainly know that in my own uh, seminary experience. Mm-hmm. I don't think I ever heard um, of a of a of a theological. I, I, I was not a part of a theological conversation about the border
0: mm-hmm.
1: and about borderlands, except through the through the ways that I engaged with sources that were outside of the traditional canon of theology. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: So it was because. I I I got a glimpse of what border and border experience um, and the importance of that conversation. I got I got that from creative writers. I mean, that's why I'm so drawn to literature and creative writing because they were the ones and the poets talking about this kind of liminal experience of a of a. A border as a wound that um, that opens and bleeds, um, you know. People like Gloria Anzaldúa and Sherry Moraga and and other, um, you know, women of color, m- many queer um, theorists, also talking about the border in this way, but not specifically within theological education. So there is a, a gap there, and yet as I said about the cross as just one example, there, how do we, how can we continue to have, uh, to do theological education in a way that is responsive to the suffering of the world? Mm. If we are not attending to the both broader and and, and very experiential, explicit uh, border, uh, of our southern border and, and Puerto Rico f- as two examples. I don't think we can do it authentically.
0: So this reminds me of your book, <laughs> of Puerto Rican mm-hmm. Decolonial Theology, where you do engage uh, certain literary authors, Puerto Rican literary authors, mm-hmm. and explore theology from a Puerto Rican perspective, and the need for decolonization, of borders, including uh, mm-hmm. uh, Puerto Rico as as a kind of island border, if you will. Yes. Uh, uh, so, talk a little bit. Uh, 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 our audience, I'm sure, will be fascinated to hear a little bit about about your book and how that relates to this project on um, borderlands uh, mm-hmm. education.
1: No, thank you for for asking that question about the. I mean, in many ways that that project has was a is a labor of love um, for the Puerto Rican people, because I wanted to make this explicit connection between our story and our experience as a border people with, with God's story through, you know, within Christianity. And because they're both part of the same story of, you know, who we are and why we suffer and... F- you know, how we have continued to have hope. So, because for me, um, well, I mean, borders are colonial creations, right? I, borders, the, the, if we're talking about the border of Puerto Rico as a, um, as a quote unquote, commonwealth of the United States, it is a, it's still a colonial uh, it was a it was a spoil of a of a colonial war, and it is it still continues to serve as a border, so that there is this amb- ambiguousness around who the identity of a Puerto Rican. If you're on the island, you can't vote in a presidential election, but if you are aren't on the island, you can. But you're a citizen, but and you pay taxes, but you don't, I mean, it, there's, a, there's so much ambiguity there. Um, so our existence on the, in that border experience is a, is a colonial creation. Mm. And I would, I would su- su- suggest that the same exists for those who are on the US-Mexico border. Mm-hmm. I mean, where it's you know, famously said, we didn't cross the border, the border crossed us so our existence as a border people is a colonial creation so how do we then dismantle that how do we dismantle a how do we stop living out that colonial existence how do we resist that colonial existence we have to adopt then a decolonial uh, way of being Mm -hmm. in everything that we do Mm -hmm and in every structure that maintains that colonial um, way of being. And academia is no different. Theological education is a colonial structure in the same way that the border, arbitrary border is. So in order to dismantle that colonial structure, that our theological education, our churches are also complicit in just because they 're part of that that, that bigger mm-hmm. structure of, of white supremacy then i then I believe we we need to employ decolonial methodologies in our theological education, and doing so means we take certain sources seriously. Mm.
0: And so students read, should read, and faculty too, uh, more fiction, where, th- where some of these images are uh, unpacked, should go to the border, but not as tourists, but as uh, uh, learners, you know, for learning from the people Absolutely. that are in the land, that are embodying the land. So say a bit more about those kinds of concrete um, uh, curricular pieces mm-hmm. that are needed, that hopefully in part our project will will uh, 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 un- unpack you know, mm-hmm. the schools that we visit, etc. Et so, say a bit more about the curricular pieces that uh, a decolonizing theological education might call for.
1: Yes, yeah. I mean, we I, thank you for that for that question. I've been thinking about this a lot, mm. um, even in the designing of of courses for you know, for undergraduate students, and even as I work with, with graduate students in other, um, in other venues, one of the things that has become more and more important to me is the, is using non-text, or I wouldn't even say non-text, textual sources that are not the written word. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, So other ways that illumine people's knowing, like other epistemological sources other than what you can pick up and read in a book. Because doing that and basing all of our education on that is again, uh, it's it's ascribing uh, and kind of bowing to this very limited and very colonizing way of understanding Knowledge acquisition, and then and and again, going back to what I said earlier, you know, part of why I'm in this, in the work of theological education, the work as an educator, is because I think there's a power in in transforming what we think and how that leads to what we do in the world. But if if just like any science experiment, if the data that you're, if the variables that are you're using to create your data if those are limited and faulty then your end result is going to be limited and faulty as well mm-hmm. so the fact that that we we predominantly focus on the written word in theological education um, the tr- you know the treatises the summas <laughs> summa <laughs> theologiae um, you know the volumes that that is problematic because it it has erased so many stories, so many experiences, and it has not attended to the land mm. um, as part of that story. So uh, we need to take people yeah. to the border. We need to take people to the U.S.-Mexico you know, Mexico border, to the border of Puerto Rico, to, to any real um, physical space where, a, this conflict encounter um, chafing up of ideologies, of ideas, of ways of being are happening. And we, we need to interrogate them. We need to challenge them.
0: So it's fascinating that our team members, uh, yourself taking undergraduates to Puerto Rico Mm -hmm. Daisy Machado taking seminarians uh, uh, to the southwest border for years, as has Eduardo Fernandez. And in particular, he has related uh, his his students to community agencies on the border doing doing day-to-day ministries. Uh, Gregory Cuellar, who teaches in Texas, has taken uh, students, but also has engaged the people there who've who are in detention centers, particularly children, and uh, mm-hmm. this whole art project, uh, uh, Alte de Lágrimas, that has produced uh, work by children uh, who've experienced crossing the border. Uh, it's, it's uh, I think, our group really in, in, a, in itself represents a kind of uh, uh, what you're talking about, embodying mm-hmm. the land and taking students to the land, but also uh, moving beyond the written text to embodiment, to art, uh, mm-hmm. to engagement with communities. Um, these are radical ideas, not, they shouldn't be so radical, but I guess they are. And mm-hmm. I think that uh, given where theological education is and, and it's transformative state, uh, this is the kind of thing that they would uh, relish to see, to hear and see, at least I would hope so, right?
1: I do, certainly do, and 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 I think the intention here in the in all of the projects that we've been all been a part of in our own work and that you just described, you know, it's not as if people haven't gone on quote unquote you know immersion trips, That's right. yeah. mission trips. You know, the, our institution has a has a whole um, you know curricular of, of mission trips, and of course. <laughs> You can't talk about the the experience of mission within the Christian church without talking about colonialism either. Mm-hmm. So there is a real, it, it's, it is problematic um, to just think about, well, let's take a group of students to this place or that without the real intention of, what is, our, what is our role and what is our purpose there? And is it for observation? Is it for, you know, because that can, that can cross over into this voyeurism. Mm-hmm. It can be this intention to do charity, which is another problematic model of somehow, you know, the great white savior coming in and a very paternalistic and imperial way of thinking about it and then there's the way that, I, that that we're all trying to engage which is um to really take those the people and the experiences at the border as the experts mm. and then saying so tell us what you need what what is the learning that we need to take from here to then bring back to the to So it's, it's not about transforming the border, it's really about transforming the spaces of power and influence that we navigate within, that we operate within so that we can dispense all that so that it can have less of a, of a deadly effect mm-hmm. on those border places. That's a, that's a different way of thinking about the, the overall goal of, that, the, of, of using uh, or, or engaging the border, not using, but engaging the border in theological education. Mm-hmm. And we so, have to also be very careful and, and constantly assess along the way, you know, is, are, are we doing this in a way that, that does justice to the experience the people the earth uh, on that border
0: yeah and in that regard um, your students graduate one day Uh, seminary students graduate one day your students might be uh, business people or lawyers or social workers some might uh, go into religious work directly Uh, seminary students become pastors religious leaders and other kinds of, uh, of uh, uh, frontline workers, so to speak. Hopefully a project like this and our engagement, both with the border and with schools, uh, produces what? In terms of, the. Uh, you've alluded to it, you've talked about it, uh, a different approach, a justice approach. But in terms of the people that come out of this are these schools, that we're trying to impact, that you impact, that each of us teaches in, and that we're gonna meet in the next few couple of years of this project, what will the, I hate to use this sort of commercialized term, but you know what I mean, what's yeah. the product, the product, the yeah. student, right? Mm-hmm. That, that comes on the other side of this. How do you envision them?
1: What? Well, I mean, to me, the outcome is people who have, again, It going back to what I said, once your eyes are open you cannot unsee Mm. what you've seen and so my my hope my prayer is that when students have these experiences it opens their eyes to see what they can no longer unsee Mm. and then they can make that connection between what they have seen and how they how they act in the world,
0: mm.
1: so you know if, if, if it means um, you know that they are now a part of a company that is um, you know has the power to to em- employ people and, and the power of paying a minimum wage and a living wage. Mm maybe they'll make a decision that, that, you know, kind of harkens back Mm -hmm. to what they have seen and are not able to unsee. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, If they have access to the levels of, you know, levers of of power and influence, how will they take their their decolonial thinking um, and a decolonial mindset into those spaces? I mean, that, that's what I that's what I hope for. Yeah. Um, I don't know, you know. I it's funny, you know. My my family has always called me "Save the World," Teresa. Mm. You know, they, <laughs> that's all mm. she she wants to save. She wants to save the world.
0: You have got a great name for it, don't you? You know, <laughs> it, it,
1: right? And and I think you know that's about right. Mm. I I it's a, it's a, but I think. It's about saving our planet. (laughs) It's about saving our humanity. Because clearly, if, if if the current state of our national affairs is the end result of what theological education or education has done so far, then we have to reevaluate whether or not what we've been doing is adequate to meet this moment. Hmm. Um, we can't. We can't necessarily educate out uh, people just because people know the good doesn't mean they'll do the good. I think we have to. But maybe it's because we haven't. We don't know the good in the fullness of the way that we need to know it. Hmm. We don't. We need to know it. In our very the fiber of our being, of our bones, and I so the value of being in those spaces, sitting with people, hearing them, laughing with them, um, being committed to what they're committed to, is is uh, it, it to me is is part of the of the necessity of this moment, and clearly uh, a need for all of our educational systems. To, to reevaluate whether or not we've, we've done enough. Hmm.
0: Dr. Teresa Delgado, our time is up. We could go, I could go uh, uh, more and talk with you about these important issues. I wanna thank Likewise, you. Likewise. I wanna thank I... you for sharing these insights, your perspectives on the importance of religious studies and theological education that uh, engages and encounters and learns from uh, the borderlands, however we define them, both physically and in terms of liminal spaces that we all live in as as products of, in many ways, colonization and hopefully decolonization. So I thank you for uh, sharing with me today, sharing with us. I want to thank those of you who've been listening to this podcast on teaching borderlands. Uh, We look forward to other important discussions with other colleagues in this important Mm -hmm. series. And I want to thank again, Dennis Legado for joining us today. Uh, And I wish you all well. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Teaching Borderlands. The host of this podcast is Dr. Efren Agosto from New York Theological Seminary. Music was produced by Mrs. Naomi Cuellar and edited by Aidan Nathaniel Diaz. This podcast was made possible by the generous funding from the Wabash Center for Teaching and Learning in Theology and Religion. You can find more about this project at artelegrimas.org.